With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, what up? Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. Reminder, you can check the Doug Gottlieb show out. We go uh, 3 to 5 Eastern. 12 to 2 Pacific, got the uh, In the Bonus podcast, which is like a radio show in and of itself, self-contained, pretty awesome. You can download that one as well. All right, enough of the promo stuff. My guest today is my brother, Greg, Greg Gottlieb. Of course, you can follow him on social media. He was the longest tenured assistant in the Pac-12 before moving over to the women's side three years ago. Now he's with Grand Canyon. Um, and I want to dive into a bunch of topics with him. I mean, he was the longest tenured Pac-12 assistant until he left Oregon State, uh, going back to the COVID year. And then uh, since then, he's been on the women's side for the last two and a half years. So the differences in that, I want to ask him about uh, quarters as opposed to halves, uh, some of the team building aspects of it. There's just lots of interesting stuff to talk about. Plus, we got a lot of Pac-12 discussion. So without further ado, here's my brother, Greg. And uh, this is, we could, we could, Hashtag this basketball brothers. Enjoy. All right. Let, let's, before we get to the men's game. Okay. I do want to ask you, there's a lot of, there's a big push in the men's game to play quarters. Hey, you coached, this is your third year in the women's game. Right? What do you think of quarters as opposed to halves? You know, it definitely changes the game. Um, for some reason, it seems real uh, longer. I think the game seems longer. Um, I do, I like it. Um, I think there's a lot of things that the, they do actually that make a lot of sense, um, not just the quarters, but, um, you know, you also have the timeout advance in the end of the game, too, which just like the NBA, um, I think both of those help a lot. You know, the the whole thing with the quarters, I mean, that's just one less media timeout, but they, you still have it uh, programmed in, so to speak. So 10 minute quarters and then there's a five minute media timeout. So you have five minutes, 10 minutes. So you have three media timeouts. Yeah, exactly. There's. Media timeouts at five, and then, um, you know, the only issue sometimes is, um, you know, they'll have a if they have a some sort of, uh, you know, thing that where the referees have to go to the monitor or do something, they that'll count as your media timeout, and that can that, that can be hard when it happens at the nine minute mark, and now you got nine minutes without a timeout. So I would say the one thing that's definitely different because you timeout advance, coaches save their timeouts to the. Um, and rarely use them during the game because they, it's such an advantage at the end of the game, um, which, you know, it really changes the strategy of late game because you got, you know, six seconds, you can, you know, two seconds, you can get a shot. So, um, you know, there's a lot of that and you got to work, you got to work on all those things. Sideline out of bounds are obviously in that regard too, are much more important um, when you have that. How's your slob game? Slob game's nice. Yeah. So, but you got to, you definitely, I mean, those are really important and, you know, where you're looking a lot of times end of game situations, what are teams doing? But a lot of it, it like the NBA, it's going to come out of a sideline out of bounds. Well, well, what about, what about, what about the argument that, Hey, look at all these great 
length of court plays that have happened in college basketball. We're going to eliminate that in order to make our make the game like the NBA game. There's still, I mean, you still got to go. First of all, there's length of court plays every quarter. You know, you got three of those that could happen anyway in the first, end of the first, second, and third quarters. Um, but also, you could choose to not advance. It, you just, you just got to know. Like I said, like if you're, you know, it, it's kind of, um, it, it just, like I said, it, 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 um, it lengthens the game. You're, it gives you a lot more strategy towards the end of the game where you could still come back if you have enough timeouts and you have the ability to draw something up. Um, and you and you really both teams got to have strategy. Do you want to get the ball? Do you want to advance it? Is that advantage for you or not? Is it better advantage to go the length of the floor, so to speak? So, um, I, I mean, I like it. I like it a lot. Although, and and you know, I think what, what's the what do they call the thing in the TBT that I that was fun too. I've experimented. Elam ending. Before. The Elam ending is another. I mean. That's a completely different way, but I mean, you're never out of it in the Elam ending, and I think that's a whole different thing. But that man, that was a lot of fun when I, I we we experimented that once, um, you know, in in uh, practice and done it in camp and stuff like that with younger kids too. So, um, but I do think you're never out of it, and that part's super fun, totally different way. But you, the game's got to end on a on a basket too. You know, you can't just um, you know time and score, so to speak. I think it's interesting, though, that college men's basketball is the only only one that does, hasn't moved to the quarters. Um, you know, it's a little bit dated. I mean, I'll be I'll be honest. Like the the one that I I enjoyed coaching international basketball uh, with the FIBA rules. I don't know when you guys. Yeah, I know you went with Oregon State and what your feelings were, but I mean, I love the I love the that there's no basket interference on offense or defense, right? And there's a lot of people who don't understand, like, goaltending still exists. That just means when the ball is on the rim, it's live. I love that um, for the men's game. And then I like – I mean, there's far fewer timeouts there, right? You get – there's, you know, timeouts that you can use within the last – is it five minutes of the game? You know, uh, but you also can't call live ball timeouts. It's got to be a dead ball timeout. So that part to it is really cool. Sure. Um, and then I like the 14 second reset on offense. I like 24 second shot clock and 14 second reset. Um, and I've kind of evolved on it. I don't mind the advancement. I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know if there's a way of doing it where you keep the length of the floor one in. I don't know, it's like it's you're going to still have those, though, Doug, because you're one. If you run out of timeouts, you're going to have to do it. And two, it's your choice to whether you want to use it or not. It's just. Now, you when know. you advance the ball, does it do they shrink the the shot clock? Not that it matters, but they shrink the shot clock. No. Uh-uh. Yeah, so that's the other international rule I like. Is that it's twenty four, but then fourteen if you get the if you advance it. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, uh, I think that's that's where a lot of coaches in college have struggled. That went on to the NBA is the game's completely different when you go to a twenty four second shot clock. You know, because it's a quick action, and then you got to play because you got to go get a shot. You know, there's no, um, you don't have time for you know a whole lot. So, but I do think I, it's just interesting to see how the game's changed, you know, um, and the way the game's refereed has been changed. I would also say um, you can gain a much greater appreciation for officiating in men's college basketball by being in women's college basketball. So um, no it's just different. I mean, the, uh, there's some good officials in women's basketball, but they, they officiate the game completely different. You know, they got, they, how first so? of all, 
Well, first of all, the game is uh, um, it's it's much more physical on the men's side. It's still physical, but different. Um, you know, I think the men they're starting to evolve a little bit, like the NBA, and give you a little bit of room on a screen on a ball screen in terms of you know guys can kind of step into people a little bit. But I think the biggest thing is the level of communication they have with this with the coaching staffs. I mean, you look, both coaches are. They're going to work the referees and ha- uh, be having conversation with them all the time. In women's basketball, it's it's um, it's more like high school basketball, where like literally you you can, you have very limited contact with them. Um, they they really don't they don't they, they, won't, they don't allow to you them. to they don't allow you to lobby their call, your call. They don't want to hear it. They'll call you. They'll give you a technical foul for just if you if you're on them and say, hey, that's a foul. You you miss that. You know, or they're, they're being really physical, or you know, and you're demanding of that. Like they're they're gonna you're gonna get T eventually. You get warning. They don't want to hear any of that stuff. Where again, if you're watching, if you're watching, um, you know, men's college basketball, you know, they're both both sidelines uh, are going to be, um, you know, they're going to have dialogue with the refs, and they can be firm. They're 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 not demeaning, but they're firm. And and the other thing is that the referees. These guys have been doing it for 20, 30 years. I mean, these guys are sharp, man, and they're good. Uh, um, and they're also smart enough to they have relationships with everybody on both sides. They know who everybody is on the, you know, on both staffs um, because they're planning on having dialogue with them. So I think it just changes the way the game is. Okay. What about, you know, you're, you're like basically the offensive coordinator, right? With what you guys do at, at, at Grand, at Grand Canyon. Um, in terms of the actions you run, how how different are they based upon the differences in men and women? Um, I don't know that it's that different. I think the biggest thing is is um, you know uh, for us is trying to fit it in with our style of play, and we play really fast and up tempo, so we're doing a lot of things that create pace. Um, the hardest part that we have a lot of times offensively is the way we play because we're pressing, trapping, a defensive-oriented team, uh, and um, we're we're always in scramble. So the only you can't really rest on defense, you know. So you know we're not we're not going to run back, stay in, and catch your breath, and wait for them to come at us, so to speak. We're we're picking you up. We're in passing lanes. We're rotating over. So when you get into the half court uh, on. On, on offense, that's times when if you don't have enough structure, they're going to rest because they don't have any other time. So, you know, the, the probably the hardest thing I think in again in in women's basketball is is forcing fouls consistently because you know you you can't get above people a lot of times when you get to the basket. Not not to say that there aren't women that do, but it's not nearly as as common. So if you get to the basket, you got to you got to find ways to force fouls. And again, for us, who's a, a pressing trapping team, that that helps us catch our breath so we can set our defense as well and, and sub. So coaching women, as opposed to coaching men, what's like the, what, what's the key, what's the key difference? How do you, how, how does, how is your approach uh, different? How's your approach the same? Well, I think that the way it's the same, I think you really got to look at it like you're coaching basketball players. I think, I think that part gets overlooked. You know, I think, um, the, the, you know, if you find, basketball players, men or women that love the game, love the process, you know, love the work, you know, um, you're in the right place and you're going to get a connection with them and they like to be pushed. And I'll tell you what, there's some really competitive women out there, really just tough, hard nosed, uh, players. Um, so 
you know, I think the biggest thing I think with any team, men or women is, you know, you gotta, you gotta earn, earn their trust, you know, and I, uh, individually as well as collectively. So, you know, you do that by finding a way to help them and, and show that they individually that you, ha- that, you know, you have their best interest. And, um, when you do that, you can push them. So, um, I don't know. I think, that, but I do think with women, there's probably even more sense of team uh, in a lot of ways. And, um, I, and that part's been really fun. You know, I think they're really connected, want to be connected, have, um, and I think that part's been really fun in that regard, you know? Um, and it's interesting because I think, you know, in talking to some people that I know uh, um, on the men's side, who've recruited a lot of Australian uh, kids, I think that's that's a huge piece for the the culture of the Australian kids that they've had too. Is that that whole sense of team is just more important, and I think I've, that's that's been really good with us. Um, what about the portal in regards to coaching? Right, like and and NIL as well. It's all kind of connected. Does any of that play a part in like how you manage? your roster, right? Because you talk to men's coaches and they're like, you know, look, you know, you get some of these guys on a big NIL deal and you got to manage it because the second things aren't going their way, they're out, they went in the portal, whatever, or sometimes they play well and you got to worry about NIL at a different school. Is, is that at all part of the management roster, uh, the roster management? Uh, sure. Um, I think all, all those things factor in when you can leave immediately and be eligible in another place, you definitely have to factor that in, I think, but, you know, and when you're running your program, you know, as you're building your program, running your program, you know, you, you've got to find a balance of getting high school players and getting them to get better. You got to find some kids in the portal, let's say, and help, you know, I think, but I do think that's an evolving thing on both men and women's side. You know, I think you've seen some, some programs too, where they made some mistakes by taking too many kids in the portal, you know, um, you know, there's probably some kids too, that, um, you know, maybe may have been led to believe that whatever their value was or what the money they were getting wasn't what it is. And I think that seems to be the case I've heard in a lot of situations, but, um, you know, I think when you're in this time of the season right now, you're just, you got to figure out how you can get everybody on the same page you know, the challenge for every team is, is different depending on the number of kids, you know, for us, our team, this particular year, we have 10 new players of our, of our 15 players, we have 10 new players. So it's like starting over almost every year. And so that's, that's really the hard part because you don't have a whole lot of defined roles. You know, I think if you, if in the years past where you have three or four of your top players back, everybody kind of knows these, all right, these we're, we're, you know, we're playing, we're filling behind them. They, they, they're, these roles get established. Yeah, everybody's trying. Everybody's trying. Everybody's kind of trying to establish their role instead of it already being established over the time. The other part is, you don't have, you know, I I think even kids that have average basketball IQs, the more they're in a program, the more they know expectations. They learn from your. They absorb your basketball IQ, and I mean, I'll just I use this example a lot. Is uh, two thousand? We're in Sweet Sixteen, and uh, we're on the sideline. And the coaches are doing their meeting thing. And I turn to Brian Montanati and says, like, hey, you think Cyclone would work? And he's like, yeah, dude, it'd be a layup. And I was like, all right, let's run it. Does everybody remember it? Like we hadn't run it in a year and a half. But we had we had guys that had all – we ran it to – sure. Tim Floyd play we had run to death. 
the previous two years. And that combined with uh, an out of bounds play we hadn't run at all that season. It was, you know, it's like, I remember talking to Tommy Amaker afterwards. He's like, what was that? That play you it was like a year, a couple years later. Like, what was that play you guys ran? Like, we hadn't seen any of that. We watched every game, like, because we hadn't run it the whole year, hadn't practiced anything. But you know, you have guys in the program, so you don't. It's something that's gone, right? Something that's gone. You can't go like, hey, remember two years ago when we came down here and played? Like, nope. I mean, the league's changing, the personnel changes. It's so weird to have to have such a low recidivist rate in college basketball, men's or women's game. I think the other part that's kind of overlooked too, I think, you know, before COVID you would ask most coaches and they'd never take a player based on film, just on film. And, you know, historically, you know, when I was at San Diego state, we took a number of transfers and that became the kind of what we were known for. And we did, we took a couple at Cal as well that I thought really had a tremendous impact, but the part of our formula for the kids that we were, were kids that we had previously recruited you know, and I think um, right now everybody went looks in the portal and that that windows a couple of weeks. Kids are going to look and they're making decisions that are a little different too. maybe trying to figure out other reasons why that might be the best fit. Bigger program, maybe an NIL. I don't know. But the uh, I think there's a lot of coaches, too, that, all right, you get these kids and they're good players. But do you really know what they do well? Are you really using them to their strengths? You know, is it really the right fit? And sometimes it takes them, uh, you know, a whole year for you to figure out what what they do, or maybe they don't even do that. Maybe they just try and plug them in, you know. So now you have the Newport rules where if you take somebody, they're on your books until they finish their eligibility. Yeah. Well, I mean that, that's that's the other part, but I'm just talking about it on the court. No, I, I, I understand, you know. but it all it does relate to the you make a eval off film instead of really knowing the kid. You get them in, they don't fit, you know, even if they leave. There's, they still count against your scholarship limit, which is, is hard. No question. But, you know, I mean, that's – the rules are constantly changing. You know, if you've done it long enough, you've experienced a lot of different things, and you just got to – you got to embrace whatever the rules are. And, you know, the one thing that's great about college basketball people are notorious. They find the loophole, you know. Yes. Um, but, you know, I think – I do think if you look around the country right now, most of the – the programs that are really consistent still, they haven't changed that much. Sure. They've maybe taken a few kids out of the portal, but they haven't completely, you know, changed their philosophy, you know? So, and I, um, I think, you know, you have to have your philosophy and probably a system that you recruit to that part helps too. You know, if you change the way you play all the time based on who you have, I mean, I think that's in general good, but, um, you know, if you're building a program really that want to sustain, you kind of have to have a, a style of play and then recruit kids that fit into the style of play. Um. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. 
Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I, I want to talk some Pac-12 hoops because you spent so much of your career there. Uh, let's start Arizona State, probably the most surprising team. Um, you know, probably the most surprising team in not just the league, but one of the most surprising teams in the country. Bobby's had years where... You know, everybody thought they'd be good and they were disappointing. I always think he's one of these guys that like when people count him out, that's when he's at his best. That feels like this group. And, you know, he sat some guys down. There's some big name recruits and the team has played better. You you, you saw him in person. What do you think of Sundowns? You know, the, yeah, the first piece is what you just finished with, which is, you know, Marcus Bagley, you know, who's really three years in a row. He's been someone they probably were counting on and hadn't been there for him. Um, and so, you know, I don't know what the issue is with, with Bagley right now, but he's, he's not, he's not playing. And for a guy to have a guy, a key guy that you were counting on, uh, I mean, I think and not playing and them be as good as they are is really, um, exceptional. I think they've done a phenomenal job of building their roster. Um, they've got depth at a lot of positions. They've, the biggest thing they do, they really, really pressure the ball and guard, you know, it's a little bit of a Duke uh philosophy there where they're really they're picking the ball up i mean they're harassing the ball from 94 feet they're making it hard on every catch and um they got a lot of length that but their their point guard little frankie collins man he really can harass the ball see that was a that was a good take from the portal like here's a kid who's at michigan doesn't score much right but it's what he's needed it's weird like bobby hurley the ultimate true point guard and he's had all these scoring ones you know, he had Remy Martin who goes hot and cold and he gets rid of Remy. He's got just guys that want the ball, need the ball, want to do it themselves. And now you have a guy who, you know, Frankie's shown a better ability to score at Arizona State than he did at Michigan. But like, that's a really good take out of the portal that's worked out really well for him. Sure. Well, he's got, you know, he's got a, a you know, he's got a unique group, but they, they've got a lot of length um, kind of at those mid, mid positions, you know, two, three, four, they're all long and lanky. Um, and athletic, um, you know, and, you know, that if there was, there's an area they're a little vulnerable is up front, you know, their center, um, Warren Washington, um, who I coached at Oregon state, uh, he's really, um, solid, man. He's become a really good college center. He's, he's having a yes. heck of a year. Um, but you know, they definitely drop off a little bit when they, when they, it, it when he's not in, that's probably that one area that they have a little bit of a weakness and, and and they're really more of a defensive program probably right now as opposed to an offensive program. But I think, you know, they're hanging their hat on their defense. They got great chemistry, I think, in terms of like they're they're I mean, they got a bunch of really just junkyard dog competitors who really love to get after it. Um and they kind of have a defensive swagger that kind of intimidates other teams. And then they figured out how to win close games, which is going to pay off, I think. And the other piece, too, honestly, that Arizona State done a much better job than a lot of teams in the Pac-12 is they're playing people. 
you know, I mean, we're, they don't, they're not 10 and one and you look and you go soft schedule, you know, they played some really good teams as well. There's so they're, they're pretty battle tested. So it'll be curious to see if they can sustain that, you know, through the league. Um, okay. What about the rest of the league? You know, I mean, league is struggling. They, they played this series against HBCUs and the HBCUs and popped them, right? Losing games. Um, you know, I mean, I, by my estimation, and again, you were in the league for well, like 15 years, 14 years. So you'd know way better, but it's, you know, your league is judged usually by two things, right? Your two best team, two best programs. In this case, Arizona, UCLA, really good, right? Good teams. UCLA just kicked the crap out of Maryland and, uh, Arizona, you know, outside of one stinkers at Utah, Coming off of Maui, he's been really good. Um, but the rest of the league left a lot to be desired. And you get, I mean, you got Cal and Stanford that have been, Stanford's been a great program that, that they're a little better this year, but it's not like they've been great. Uh, Cal is the only winless team in Division One basketball. That seems impossible, but it's true. Uh, Washington, you know, Obviously, Hop's got to win this season. They've been better, but it's not like they're dominant back to being good. SC's okay, probably the fourth best team heading into, you know, conference play. Colorado, some good, some not so good. You know, I think they lost to Grambling. They got some good wins, some bad losses. What, what's your guess on why the league is so top-heavy with those top two or now three teams you had in Arizona State? Yeah, I, you know, I mean, it's funny. I, I one, you got half, you got half the teams in the league are five hundred or or below. So you got, you definitely have some teams that aren't very good right now. You know, and uh, I know being in the league, all the coaches that are in the league are, you know, are feeling the same way that I would if I was there. Which is like, even when the when the league's good, obviously the games are really hard. When the league's not very good, it's still hard to win those games. You know, and I do think there's a lot of teams that are still trying to figure out who they have, like I said, when you got, you know, a bunch of new guys on the roster, Oregon is definitely a team like that. And they've had some injuries. I think Oregon, you'll see Oregon will surge uh, towards the top. I'm not sure that USC is the fourth. I think that in general, they're, they're talented, but um, you know, without the, their most herald, heralded uh, recruit, the big kid who's out, I'm not sure if they're where they're at right now. Their schedule really. Um, you say heralded? A lot of people, huh? Did you say heralded? Yeah. Heralded? Heralded and heralded, whatever. Anyway, call out. Heralded. That's a Bobism. That's like our dad. Hey, I can make infinity. up. Infinity. It's a, no, it's an infinity, dad. Like uh, you know, the word infinity. Heralded. Is that a sign? I'm getting there. That Age? is. Yeah. That is. Well, anyway, I think I don't I think they haven't really played a very tough schedule right now. I think I'm looking, you know, Washington. I you know, Washington had a really good win. They probably won one of the better non-conference wins and it's crazy they're beating one at beat St. Mary's in the tournament um down in Orange County. Um there you know, but uh you know, and I and um you know, I looked at Stanford though and Stanford's played a pretty tough schedule, Doug. I think of of all the yeah. teams um, you know, that are right now below 500. I mean, I think at least Stanford's went out and played a bunch of people. So, you know, I think, um, and I watched, I went to the uh, Arizona State Stanford game and, and uh, you know, Arizona State jumped on them, and, but they clawed their way back and it was a competitive game down the stretch. 
they're not particularly athletic, but they are pretty darn skilled. Um, you know, I wouldn't count them out yet. Uh, you know, cause I do think they have some, some talent there. Um, you know, again, if you look based on who they played, you know, Colorado's kind of random. I think they had that one really good win at Tennessee. Um, but they're kind of in a, a year where they, they've got a lot of new parts they're trying to figure out. So I'm not sure where Colorado sits. You know, Utah's got one of the best records and, and, uh, and that was a really good win to beat Arizona at home. But honestly, other than that, I don't think they've really played anybody that. that well, I mean, I mean, like, look, so obviously Stanford overscheduled. And one of the things that killing these teams is, you know, you have these conference games in, you know, November and December. It's just so weird. Um, so you can't kind of get that momentum and confidence by playing too many also. But, um, you know, Wisconsin's not a bad loss. San Diego State's not a bad loss. Ole Miss is not a great game, obviously, but uh, that one I think was in it was in a tournament. Um, they beat Florida State, who's atrocious this year, but still a name win. Memphis, Played an unbelievable right? schedule. They just haven't yeah. beat any of the good team, any of the decent teams. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Um, but it's just, it's just one of those things where, like, yes, you overscheduled. I totally get it. But like at some point you got to win those games. Sure, right? Sure, I think you know. I think like you said, UCLA and Arizona. But the, you know, the, uh, I right now they're probably going to be three, maybe four teams. The problem that the league has right now, though, is you know once you've established that, and especially when you're playing twenty league games now, so they got they all have one or two more. I mean, I don't know how many people have really quality conference or outside of conference games ahead. I think Washington State plays Baylor. Um, uh, they have a series, I think, with the Big Twelve. Like T- Utah plays TCU. That's a big one for the league because Utah is two and zero in the league, and you know they have a home loss to Sam Houston. It's not terrible, but the point is, there's not going to be very many in conference. Yeah, scouts, you know, like scouts and, 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 late. and if people really like, if you really want to know, one of the things that holds the Pac-12 back from potentially having an NCAA champion as well, it, it um, it's seeding. You know, I mean, you're not going to get even UCLA and Arizona. They're not going to benefit from playing teams uh, that aren't tournament teams consistently in the league. So because they're not going to end up in, you know, you know, unless you just go through the league undefeated, you're not you're not getting a one or two or three seed. You know, so, uh, you know, I think right now I would say UCLA, Arizona, Arizona State. And then if you're lucky, maybe maybe an Oregon comes on. Um you know, but I, I'm not sure that there's another tournament team in there right now. When and, you, you know, you obviously did guys did bounce back recruiting San Diego State. Um, but you also have recruited LA really, really well, whether it's San Diego State, Cal, Oregon State, didn't matter, right? You've done well. How does that change with UCLA and USC leading the league? You're at one of those other schools. Let's sure. say that remains intact. How's that? Cause well, I think the, the the biggest thing, um, I, I don't know if it changes that much because I think kids still want to play in, um, you know, kids want to uh, play close to home, go to school in a place where their families can come watch and play and all those kinds of things. So I, I still think those schools, you know, and Stanford recruits, uh, Stanford's going to recruit nationally anyway. They're getting the best academic kids, you know, across the country. So that's really not an issue for Stanford. So you're talking about Cal. And I think 
you know, at Cal, I still think it's a it's a great school. It's got you're you're it's still a, it w- would be a very good league with or without USC and UCLA. Um, so I, I I think that they'll still be able to get kids. I think the issue you have is now a lot of the schools in the in the Big Ten are going to use th- that as a window to come into into Southern California, though. Um, but but you know, even then, you know, right now recruiting so different because you got kids. You know, there's a lot of kids going to the prep schools that are not in SoCal, right? I mean, there's a ton of them in Arizona, actually. I mean, there's they're they're really all over the place. So, um, you know, I I do think um, you'll see more people. You'll be some more West Coast kids might that might end up in the Big Ten. Um, I think but, it's going to be interesting because I think that on on some level, one level, you'll have. Like you said, you'll have um, some kids go now to some of these Big Ten schools. I do wonder if you know now you get them on the on the uh, you know you get them on the they go out there for a year, they're not happy, they come back. If it actually benefits the league, or does it benefit the Mountain West more? That though they're not in LA, they're in San Diego, right? That is just the dynamic of what it looks like moving forward is going to be interesting because, and, and here's one, has it affect USC? Like, I think USC probably benefits like UCLA in football because there's finally going to be people there, but there'll be like road games. Um, does it change USC for the better? Does it change USC for the worst? I'm, I'm intrigued by it. UCLA. I think, I think it's a home run for UCLA basketball. I do think they'll struggle to win road games if it, if it is as it's constructed currently, like that's just hard, dude. Like you're going into gigantic arenas, good teams, well coached, older, and you got to fly 2,500 miles. I right? like that's freaking hard. Um, but I would also say that football, they'll have the Rose Bowl be more full. And then basketball, like that, that's, that's the juice they need because they've actually been good here since Mick's been, been there. There's still not just the constant juice. And now when you add in the fact that Michigan and Michigan State and Ohio State will bring a couple, probably a couple thousand fans that are local, you know, alums, whatever. I think that's the juice they need to fill that arena. It makes it a much better, like the one only thing working against UCLA is it's just not the energy of, of the programs outside of California or maybe San Diego State notwithstanding. Um, I think that's the part you, you haven't really mentioned, really. I think, you know, um, both UCLA and Cal, for example, um, benefit tremendously from that rivalry in terms of games. You know, it's interesting because Iowa and Iowa State, they have it in their, uh, I think it's like in the state law that they have to play each other um, every year. You know, now they don't play maybe twice, they but they do play each other every year. Um, but that's a game that definitely is a really good draw, not just, you know, you know, Stanford and UCLA, uh, uh, Cal is called big game, but UCLA and, and Cal is also a well-attended, good rivalry type of game. Um, you know, I think USC, honestly, I think this only enhances USC. I think USC would really benefits from the, um, you know, uh, name I, NIL because for the same reason, you know, they have such a strong alumni network. I think they're only benefiting from all that kind of stuff. And, and honestly, Andy Anfield's done a, as well as anybody recruiting wise in the last five years. No question. Um, and so I, I don't anticipate that to, to change. And not only that, but 
you know, it only makes it easier for them to attract kids, not just from the area, but from anywhere. I mean, I think USC has the ability to, to recruit kids from anywhere. So, um, you know, I think this move is will only strengthen USC's position. And I think to your point now, they're going to get some other, um, some of those conference games from them at home are going to be much more appealing for people to kind of go on and watch. So, uh, but I do think, you know, if, uh, it's funny that they talked about putting those, um, you know, the financial uh, thing in place that for UCLA to pay Cal, but really that they really should be making sure they play each other in football and basketball. I mean, you know, those, those would be um, games that, you know, in rivalries, I think that um, would, would be missed. Well, I mean, UCLA, Arizona in basketball, that's, they should play that every year, sure. twice a year. Sure. Um, okay. Uh, Last thing. So when you're installing sets and things, do you add as the season goes on? Definitely. Um, I think, you know, I think you, um, especially for us, again, we had two to 10 new players. So, you know, you kind of, you want to, you want to start off with some ba- a basic framework and they, and I think you put in, you want to make sure they have all the pressure counters and the reads built into the basic part of your offense. Um, you know, and then as your team, uh, once your team kind of really gets that down to where they it becomes instinctual, and this is kind of like what you were talking about before, Doug. Like if you had a team of where you had ninety percent of your team back, you know, and you're starting off now, you know, so much further on, along the line because now you're just refining some of your your basic part of your offense, and then you can continue to add some things. Um, but yeah, we've we've definitely tried to do that, and I think part of it as well is. Um, you know, having a few things that, um, first of all, it's information overload if you try and put everything in all at once, right? So, you know, you don't want paralysis by analysis, right? You don't want them to get so much information process, they don't know what they're doing. So, um, but once we've, we've tried to, we feel like we've gotten everybody where they really have a clear understanding, now it's time to try and maybe refine it based on our personnel a little bit more and try and figure out how we're going to highlight things or you know, what are we going to do when people defend us this particular way, you know, or how are we going to, how are we going to handle this or, or even something, even a skill set we've got to really develop because of, you know, the way people guard, you know, in, in, uh, I, I think this is real common in a lot of women's basketball. There's a lot more teams that are still, they paint protect and they'll go under and dare you to shoot threes, you know? So, um, we put a tremendous amount of emphasis right now on on uh, shooting the ball behind the ball screen because um, while you know some of them you, you may don't like them to twist it and turn the corner. Yeah, you can twist it some, but you know if there's a crowd and your point guard uh, can't get above somebody, I don't know that that's always going to be a great shot when you get them all the way to the basket with with you know if you have size and athleticism. Yeah, you could twist it. And, you know, we can do we'll do some of that as well. But the first thing is we've got to get to where when people go under, we make them pay. And I, you know, because otherwise everybody's going to go under. So, um, and, and, uh, so that's been something that we put a a lot of emphasis on this year. I I kind of, I'm, I've kind of gone that route more as opposed to in the past, I would have said, yeah, we've got to figure out a way to get to the basket regardless, but, um, we'll still do some of that, but I want to be able to make those shots behind the ball screen, I think, um, so that people have to guard you different. So well, that's the um, other thing that's interesting about a, a new team is like you, your, your stuff is the same this year from last year. 
for the most part yeah okay. with a couple little a couple couple um kind of we're set our right, secondary breaks be, because you have to reteach it every yeah. year you probably find yourself teaching it better every year like man this is last year i did this and hey, i don't like that i want to do this and i want to do it this way well some of it's better some of it's you know i've some of it too you have where you want to spend your time on certain things or points of emphasis you'd like to go you know some areas of points of emphasis was stronger on one area last year and this one a little bit more on this area um so you know and then some of it's yeah learning you know i also one of the things i try and do is you know get better at it and really get a clearer understanding of what we're doing so some of the things we already were doing i kind of studied some other people had some conversations tried to learn the details a little bit better. So I really knew um, what I, um, more specifically how I wanted it to look or how I wanted the end product to look too, you know? And again, uh, and one, I think one of the things I learned from Mike Montgomery is like, you want to really, you you really want to make sure you only teach something you really know, because you got to have all the answers because, you know, the, the players are going to come to you with, well, what happens when this happens? And you really, you really have to know. And nothing's more frustrating. You've been a point guard, so was I. I hated when the coaches really didn't understand offense, and you know the ball's got to go to the right wing every time, and you just telegraph the play or whatever. And the guy's not open, and the coach is like, "Get him the ball anyway. I, find a way to get open." You know, and I, I felt like that's you know, I, as a coach, you you want to give them all the tools. So you know, here's the read when they're you know. What do you do when they overplay? What do you do when they do this? How are we going to do it versus that? So, um, and then obviously as, as you go on in the, during the season, you're going to see a lot of different ways people guard you, you know, whether it's different kind of zones or, or different ways they match up in man to man, you know? So. Okay. Then when you put something, where do you get like new stuff that you put in? Um, do you want it like to all look the same or do you like, all right, I want to add something completely different. Um, that's a good question. I, I think, I think you want to, you definitely want to disguise some of the things, you know, a little bit, but I do think, um, you know, again, le learning our team, we have a couple of different sets that, you know, that'll come out of a different, um, look like with, if we're walking it up versus on a walk up off a dead ball versus, um, on a made basket, you know, so on a made basket, we have a kind of our, our secondary break, but there's a bunch of different wrinkles off of that, that we can do. Um, and then, and then, you know, on walk-ups, we'll, we'll have a couple other different sets um, that are just a little completely different than what we're doing, you know, on our uh, secondary break. And I, and I like that to be honest. So and then, um, you know, we've had some games, too, where we've had control of the game. So sometimes, honestly, you know, even in, we'll work on some board-to-court situations out of timeouts. And uh, I may come into that a game with a couple of different things that I might want to do that we haven't necessarily worked on. And if we have control of the game, um, you know, I might be able to experiment a little bit. So because uh, sometimes it's a lot better to do it against other teams and doing it against yourself so all right last thing your league is ever-changing kind of random right what's the outside of and i know your guys environment's awesome but just gym wise arena wise what's the coolest one that when you walked in you're like i had no idea this is kind of a cool place yeah you know honestly that's funny because we haven't been to everybody in the in the uh in the league 
uh, because there's so many teams we haven't played all the road games and they've added. I, I've heard Stephen F. Austin has a really nice facility. And last year we played uh, Abilene Christian. And if you can believe this, they played in their, their games last year in the tennis facility because they were redoing their arena. So I'm sure theirs is going to be uh, really nice when we get there um, this year. Um, you know, Cal Baptist got a beautiful arena. Um, I think that place is really nice. So, I mean, there's, there's some other good places, uh, in the league, but it is interesting because we have not just, um, some different places, but, you know, when we've added like Texas Arlington this year, uh, you know, last year it was Stephen F. Austin and, you know, you're adding teams that are, uh, tournament quality teams and it's like the bar keeps moving in terms of, uh, uh, like, all right, who's the team to beat, so to speak in your league, you know? So our first year Cal Baptist won the league. So that was a kind of the bar you want to win the league. And then they moved the bar. They had Stephen F. Austin, who was really good. Um, so those are the kind of things that are probably a little bit unique when the, when the league changes so much, you know, but, um, I don't know. I think it's kind of fun in the same regard. So I've been to a lot of different gyms in the, in the last 28 seasons. Um, so, you know, just keep checking boxes, right? Yeah. No. So I'm looking at Abilene Christian's place. It's been redone. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Really I'm, cool. Um, yeah. I think, it, I think it, yeah, it, it was, it was a kind of a neat campus, you know, it's just my, we only, uh, we were only there for, you know, a short time and, but I do think it's it was a pretty neat place. Um, their athletic director, Zach Laster, actually worked with him at Oregon State. Great guy. Um, you know, again, in the the WAC's a little interesting because half the teams have football and the other half don't, right? So that's a whole different thing. Completely. Yeah. Completely different. Yeah. You know, so, finances, importance to university, all that different stuff. Yeah, or less where their emphasis is, whether it's basketball, football, et cetera. You know, um, you know, obviously Grand Canyon, the emphasis, I mean, there's a tremendous emphasis on really all sports, but, but um, basketball, definitely. Um, it, there's a commitment there. All right. That's it for uh, this edition of all ball. Um, got some really good stuff coming next week. As you get ready to travel for the holidays, tell friends about it. You can download some of the previous episodes and uh, we're going to load up for you so that, Hopefully, most every day of the holiday season, you'll be able to listen to All Ball. In the meantime, you might have listened to the Doug Gottlieb Show, 3 to 5 Eastern, 12 to 2 Pacific. You get the In the Bonus podcast as well. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. Three six five. We don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets when you bet just five dollars. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet three six five. Twenty one plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call one eight hundred Gambler. Terms and conditions apply. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, 
eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 